My name is Jose, if we haven't met yet, welcome to those of you who are in the ice or wherever you are, and uh, we want to continue in our series looking at the power of the Holy Spirit living within, but uh, for some of you, thank you so much for many of you texted or sent emails or notes about uh, the passing of uh, my father-in-law, Ray. We were there last weekend for his memorial, and what was really cool, (laughs) really cool about a memorial, that's just a weird statement, but what was really interesting was everyone who got up to speak, um, my mother-in-law and then Carmen, three siblings, all got up and prepared something to share without sharing it with each other. And it got comical because they literally all said the same thing. Like exactly the same thing. Ray was a jokester and they talked about how fun he was. And then, and then Ray was hardworking and overcame the most difficult circumstances. And everyone just went on. And by the end, the pastor of the church where they had been going to, where they had been only going for a few years, he was in tears. Because he's like, man, all of you are united and giving thanks to God for this man that I know better because... His character just showed up and all of you said the same thing. Well, we're looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the character of God being lived out in us. And I think it'd be really cool at the end of your days because everyone said the same thing about Ray, that he loved Jesus wholeheartedly. I mean, you couldn't talk to the guy without him talking about Jesus and giving you a hug and encouraging you in your faith. And what would it look like for all of us to grow so that at the end of our days, right, people are telling those who didn't know us as well as this was a person who was filled with the life of God. Because remember, and we're saying it each and every week, the fruit of the Spirit isn't just things you add onto your life, like I need to be loving and I need to be joyful and I need to be peaceable. No, the fruit of the Spirit is about how the Holy Spirit enables us to become more like Jesus. And so we've looked at John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and now we're focusing on Galatians 5 because what does it look like for us to become more like Jesus? What does that actually look like in flesh and blood? What does it do to our personality? How does our character change? Uh, well, you need to remember God's working. This is something God's doing. So don't get stressed out as we unfold each dimension of what it means to become like God, God-like in character. Don't get stressed out if you don't see the full evidence in your life over time God is doing this in you. Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes, as Stephen was saying last week, you don't see patience slowly growing, you know? It's getting there, little by little. But the invitation for all of us and the reason that we're spending so much time looking at each singular dimension is because God wants us to participate with him. God wants us to move with him. God wants us to unite with him in this and not resist his movement in our lives, Um, which is why, and you think about this dynamic, God is working in you, he's doing the work, but you're working. How does that all pan out? Uh, Galatians 5, right before the fruit of the Spirit, there's this interesting few lines. I want to read them first before we look at two more today. Galatians 5, verses 16 to 18. So I say, walk in the Holy Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're, you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit, 
You are not under the law. The New Living Translation of that first line is super helpful. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So, so God wants to do this. God is doing this. But the invitation to us is let the Holy Spirit keep on guiding you in the way of love. Keep on guiding you in the way of joy. Keep on guiding you in the way of peace and of patience. And let's just round it out. What are we, what are we looking at today? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is also patience. Then the next two we're going to look at today, kindness, goodness. And then next week, we'll look at faithfulness, gentleness. And the week after that, and maybe for 18 weeks after that, we'll look at self-control. Because against such things, there's no law needed. If you are living in the way of love, if you are living in the way of joy, if you're living with God's peace, if patience is growing within you, if kindness and gentleness and goodness, all of these things are growing in you, you don't need a list of rules and regulations. This is the way of God. And so what God wants to do is what he promised early on in the Bible In the days to come, God prophesied through Jeremiah, there will be a new covenant, a new agreement, and God will write his law on our hearts. Internally, we will want to live like God. And there'll be a day, the prophets said, in the future when Jesus comes, that you won't have to teach your neighbor, this is the way of God, because we will have the spirit living within us, wanting within us to live like him and not like as Paul used the term, the flesh. There's the part of me that wants to do what I want to do, but we want to live like God. Okay, so what are kindness and, and goodness? I'll throw on definition, take a photo if you want. Kindness, and these are not just like, this is not Webster's. These are Bible definitions based on the original language, which was Greek. Kindness here is the quality of being helpful or beneficial. You could also call, use the word kindness, goodness. You could also use the word generosity, And then goodness, the word that follows, is a focus or interest in the welfare of others. You could also translate goodness, generosity. So kindness, goodness, generosity, they all seem to be in the same family. The idea here is the essence is I'm looking at you and your needs above my own. Not that my needs aren't important. Your needs are important. But I also see that you have need and kindness and goodness leads to something. Um, and these words are interlinked. Sometimes they are translated generosity. It, it's about the other person and their benefit. Uh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? And Jesus answered quickly, love God with everything. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Kindness and goodness is about a generosity of spirit where I want to help you in your pursuit of God in your life, and I'm not just overly focused on me. So two things I want us to see this morning because we're gonna look at kindness and goodness. The first thing is the Holy Spirit empowers us to grow in generosity. Generous, putting others first. This is, this is what God is like. So, so the Holy Spirit is already doing this in you, and we're being invited to grow in, in a kindness, a generosity that is not just bent on, well, my parents were that way, so I want to be that way. And if your parents were generous and you're generous, great. Or I have to, because like, that's a socially right thing to do is look towards others. Well, if that's the motivation, it's going to break down pretty quickly. 
but rather God is generous. And, and I just want to live like the one who made me. And because he put his spirit in me, I actually have the fuel to live a generous life. Um, Jesus lived this way, right? We'll look a little later at Jesus. But I want us to think about what Jesus said. He gives a parable about generosity that doesn't seem like it's about generosity. So let's just look at it. Matthew uh, 20, if you have your Bible, Matthew 20, Jesus gives an interesting parable about workers in a vineyard. And it's actually about kindness and goodness that comes from the heart of God. It's long. And if, you're, um, if you don't want to read a lot of Bible, tough, deal with it. <laughs> it wasn't very kind or good, but it was the truth. Because we want to read a lot of the Bible. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he, he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. I'll pay you whatever is right. And so they went. And he went out again about noon and uh, at three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Notice the answer. Because no one's hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, and then go on to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. And when they came, uh, and, and when these, those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Uh, these who were hired last worked for only an hour, they said, and you made us equal to us, made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, am I being unfair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last, the same as I gave you. And catch this line. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Notice. Because I am generous. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, at first, when you're reading this, the parable seems a little unfair because we're, we value what we see as equity. Like, if I work longer, I deserve more, right? If, or if I'm older, I deserve a certain status. Or if I finished high school, I should do better. But if I finished college, I should do better. And if I do postgraduate, I should... We, we just value in our culture, you know, if I do more, I get more. And that seems to be fair, and by the way, isn't Jesus like enabling people if he gives them what they don't deserve? Doesn't that seem like wrong of him to do this? Now, now the larger setting of the parable, I don't, I don't want to miss. The larger setting of the parable is Jesus is actually saying salvation, God's good rule, is going to come to everybody, and I'm generous with everyone. Amen. So those who have a long heritage of spiritual history, who are part of the people of Israel. Yeah, they've been part of the vineyard. They've been working with God for the flourishing of the world. 
and I'm going to reward them, but I'm also going to allow others. I'm going to go at noon and three and five, and I'm going to call people who don't belong to the people called Israel. I'm going to invite them into. The larger setting of the parable is about God's love and care for the whole world. But I love God's statement. (laughs) Can I do what I want to do? (laughs) And why are you mad? when I show generosity to those who don't seem to to deserve it. And this is such a good parable for a culture like ours that's filled with entitlement. If I do, I get this. And what we're getting here from God, Jesus is disclosing what God is like. He's generous. and And he gives in ways that are beyond us. And he knows that everyone needs, and one of the beautiful things here is about a denarius, say a day's wages, to the person who's there early, God is faithful and God provides for all of their needs. To the person who wanted to be hired but wasn't and no one gave him a chance at the last hour, the needs of everyone's the same. Everyone needs to eat, would you agree? But God says to the one who's there early, I'm gonna give you enough to eat. To the one who is not given the chance, God is so generous and good, he says, You only worked for an hour, but I want to give you all that you and your family need for today because God is simply good and God is kind and God is generous and God is filled with love and God is filled with mercy in ways that we need to learn from. Now, this is what God is like. God is kind, God is good, God is generous. And so what does it look like for us to follow Jesus and now fill with the same Holy Spirit embody it. Well, we actually see it in the Bible. The good thing about reading all of the Bible is it builds on itself. And so you see the teachings of Jesus, the parable of Jesus about how God is generous and his people are to be generous. And it's not just about money because the larger setting of the story is God goes out and invites people to come in and be rescued. God is always inviting people in in a kind and loving and good way to be transformed. And so we as people want to live the same way. We want to do events like Unite, which is inviting young people to consider the life of Jesus and to be together and allow the Holy Spirit to work and mark them to do things that God is preparing them to do. It's why we do this kind of thing. It's why we have spring break getaways for students to get away from the noise and the devices that are destroying them. (laughs) You can't figure it out. And walk in nature and be with one another and have fun and eat a meal and consider Jesus. It's why we do community groups where we invite you week after week when it's highly inconvenient to live kind and good, generous lives. And part of our generosity is saying no to things we want to do to make space for other people. It's why community groups aren't a club where it's just like me and the coolest people. Because obviously you're one of the cooler people but they're generally open to a variety of people. Why? Because we want to make space to be generous to everyone God puts our way, not just the people who look like me, think like me, act like me, or have something to offer me. And so kindness and goodness is the heart of God, and and we see it in the Bible, Acts 4, uh, a statement that Luke gives about the early Jesus people 
And this is related to kindness and goodness. Acts 4, verses 32 through 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. I I just, that's not even believable. But it actually is a way of life. Now we know, by the way, I'll keep reading that. We know from Acts 5 and forward that it's not everyone at all times lived this way because Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and dropped dead (laughs) and sell a piece of land and lie about the price. And so this is not talking about utopia, but this is talking in sweeping terms about what it meant to be a part of the people of God. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The, uh, The... farmer or the tenant, the landowner, went out and found workers, shared good news with people. This is the parable in Matthew 20, lived out. The apostles didn't sit back. They were out on the forefront inviting people in. And the grace, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy persons among them. So from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Again, I need to remind you, you read the rest of Acts, and, and the church is a place of blessing and dysfunction because not everyone does Holy Spirit-directed things all of the time. But generally speaking, it was said of, of this people that, that, that they took kindness, goodness, generosity seriously and they, they tried to live in a way where they saw the needs of other people. And this is the church at its best. And, and, and you have the rich and poor in the church. You have the young and old. You have citizens enslaved. You have the PhDs and the illiterate. They're all worshiping Jesus. And, and I think in today, uh, today's world where people are so divided so quickly about so many things. I think an eclectic group like this makes no sense. <laughs> and church makes no sense. Where you hang out with people who are totally unlike you and, and maybe don't have anything to offer you, but we, we worship Jesus together and we sacrifice for the good of others. And so Jesus is generous and the church is generous. And, and I will say, let's just think about living this out as a people. Um, when I think about the last 10 years, because we're about almost 11 years old as a church now, we tried to live this way. And I'm thrilled about what God's doing now. Some of you were here a few weeks ago. Remember Daniel Roos, where I was able to interpret for him in Romanian, if you were here. No, I, was, I made up words. But, but I've, I've worked with him for more than a dozen years, and I've gone to Romania for 20 plus years now. But right now, he's in Ukraine. Uh, delivering food for the 21st time since in the last year. And so we haven't been able to go, all of us, but we've been able to partner with Daniel and a group of churches that are right on the border of Ukraine and Romania and provide resources for them to purchase and bring up to those who are in desperate need in southern Ukraine and in various parts, and also to help with refugees who've left Ukraine and are living in Romania. And Without resources, you can't do that. When you get a call, I mean, I got a text from him saying, we're bringing sandwiches to the border. I'm like, okay, pray for us. And then within the next day, look, we just want to load up a van. Is there anything you could do? And 
literally within 36 hours, resources from our church was in their account and, and food was being purchased and brought to people who were literally shell-shocked at the thought of war. Um, thank God, right? That we can live generously. Thank God that we can uh, prepare ourselves and have resources ready to share. I think about the work in Uganda. In the last month, we sent more resources to Uganda. Uh, Pastor JP, who's been a friend of mine for 20 plus years, we helped as we were planted as a church within the first year, we helped plant a church in, in northwest Uganda in a town called Arua. And we've stood with them every single year. And we helped them purchase land where their church now meets. And we helped them purchase more land so that they can build a school. And we've, we've helped them again and again and again. And it's been fun to see. They, they are probably reaching more people numerically in their area in Arua than we are here. And that's exciting to me. That we can resource God's people doing God's work in other places. We've done evangelistic outreaches there. We've done trainings for pastors there. And more than 200 children are sponsored every single month to go to school and get medical supplies because of your above and beyond generosity that you do directly. This is good stuff. We ought to rejoice that God, God is kind and God is good. And most of you don't know because we don't like to to tout it, but we, we take a, a portion of the funds that you give just week in and week out, and we put it in a fund that we call the Share Fund, to share the gospel. Lord willing, I'll be going to, to Romania in, uh, in April and sharing the gospel in a town called Sibiu. And where, where, how, does that, how does that happen? It's because of your generosity. And uh, we, we share to help uh, people know Jesus here. So Unite, I don't even know if you know it, Ryan, but on top of it, I had a few people say like, hey, we want to serve some extra food and dessert type of stuff. And it wasn't in the budget um, uh, this Wednesday for students at the event. They didn't have it. And one of the leaders just said, hey, can you help? I'm like, yeah. And we just immediately send funds to help. This is what we do. It's kindness and goodness. Um, and, and, and these aren't just concepts, by the way. I hope you hear from the stories that kindness and goodness is about action. It's about doing. It's about showing up and, 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 and giving as God enables you. But I think we can limit it to just financial resources or physical resources. Second thing that the Holy Spirit does, not only does he empower us to live generously, the second thing, and write this down, the Holy Spirit empowers us to embrace interruptions. And, and this is as important, kindness and goodness, which you could label just generosity, is about the willingness to be interrupted. And when you look at the life of Jesus carefully and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will pick up a trend that Jesus is focused. The only thing I say are my Father's words. He's focused. The only work that I do, I've seen my Father working and I've come to complete his work. Jesus was absolutely focused. But so much of what he did was in the middle of a focused activity being interrupted by someone else. And so kindness and goodness, this mark of God's presence in your life, is about a willingness to live like Jesus. Now I'm going to read a really long quote. Why? Because really long quotes are good. Um, from an author, Christopher Wright. And this is about Jesus and kindness and goodness. Quote, think of the woman with bleeding interrupting him on the way to an urgent medical emergency. 
think of the parents bringing their children when his disciples were wanting to get on with their own private lessons. Think of blind Bartimaeus who kept shouting over the crowd until Jesus stopped. Think of the Syrophoenician woman who wouldn't take no for an answer. Think of the woman who anointed his feet at a meal and scandalized the host. Even in Jesus' excruciating agony on the cross, he was thinking about the needs of his mother. And after his resurrection, he knew that hungry fishermen needed a good breakfast after a night at sea. And all these examples of the kindness of Jesus were not just because he was a, quote, very nice man, or just the kind of person who always seems to be gently smiling in the background. In fact, Jesus crossed barriers and broke down social taboos to show such kindness by eating and drinking with people whom polite society despised, end quote, Christopher J.H., write on a book called Cultivating the Fruit of the Holy Spirit. What I want us to get is that, and some of those examples, if you're newer to the Bible, you're like, I don't, I don't know. In all of them, Jesus was going somewhere and was stopped by someone, and he doesn't brush them off. This is what Jesus is like. And what I love is that it's not about, about simply being a nice person. Uh, some of Jesus' kindness and goodness was costly because of the types of people he showed God's goodness and kindness to. So this is a word to us. When we think about being interrupted and the Spirit empowering us to live an interrupted life, don't get the idea it's about just making space for people who are like us, above us, or can improve us. Kindness and goodness, this evidence of God's work in your life, is about being kind and good, loving, caring, merciful, generous to people who cannot offer anything in return, people that don't agree with you on social issues or political issues, people that you don't want to be seen around or, frankly, in your own self, don't care about. It's about being inconvenienced in a way that God is. Um, None of us deserve God's goodness, do we? None of us deserve God's kindness, and yet we've experienced it in and through Jesus. And so what we want to do is become more like him. Now, what's keeping us from living this way? There's probably 30 different things. I can think of two that stop me often, and if you can relate to them, great. If not, maybe you have got better ones. The first is, for me, it's selfishness. What's stopping me from the goodness, kindness, generous life? It's selfishness. Look, I love you, but I just love me more. And, and that's, um, that's an honest confession. I actually think more about me than I do about you. And that's not exactly like Jesus, but it's just the temptation of every Jesus follower. And so even in doing good, I'm more concerned about me. And so God in his goodness has given us his spirit to remind us that yes, all of us have desires, but all of my desires need to be evaluated. And just because it feels good doesn't mean it's God's desire. And even though it hurts and it feels bad doesn't mean it's a bad desire. There may be some things that Jesus is inviting you to step into that are uncomfortable, painful, costly, and those may be the very things that God created you for. But kindness and goodness come from God to us, but we're going to have to fight selfishness. The second is busyness, right? Right? Business is just a word of our culture 
in our day. I, I, I translate busyness, selfishness with time. <laughs> it's time selfishness. It's, it's, you don't understand, Jose, all that I have to do. And the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, is willing to be interrupted all the time. So I just want to become less busy and more meaningful. And this selfishness is a problem. Busyness, gosh, is, uh, is super convicting. And again, there are probably 30 other ones that you may be tempted by. Here's the good news. God's already working in your life. He's working, he's stirring, he's moving. And now he's inviting us. And the reason that we've set aside this conversation on the Holy Spirit within within our community groups is this is just part one. So if you're uh, online, you can download this at our website, but we have a community group discussion guide. Even if you're not a part of our normal gatherings or a part of our church, I invite you to go to our website and, and, and download this because we want you now in your groups this week, which many of them meet on Sunday, to have honest conversations about what it means to live with kindness and, and goodness. A couple of questions that are not exactly fleshed out, but worth thinking about. Maybe it sets a tone for your discussion this week. What does it look like for us to fight the flesh and say yes to the Holy Spirit this week in kindness? Where will God call you to be generous where you're not generous right now? Maybe it's with your money. Maybe it's with your time. Maybe it's with your knowledge. What do you know? What's God blessed you with in your mind, in your experience that he's inviting you to share with someone else? Maybe it's just kindness and goodness or generosity with your presence. Who is God gonna invite you to invest time in? Maybe it's with your listening. It's not saying, it's not teaching, but simply being there. What does it look like for us to slow down to make room for the Holy Spirit to actually guide us? Maybe that's where we need to begin. And when it comes to helping in areas where we feel uncomfortable, how are we gonna rely on the Holy Spirit this week to fuel us, right? And energize us to help people that we find difficult to help, whether it's because of our differences or it's because of our lack of resources. God, the Holy Spirit, is here and is able. On top of um, what you've been invited to this week, when, when Ryan was talking about this Wednesday night, I'm gonna invite you to do something out of the kindness and goodness of your heart. Wednesday night, uh, students from all over the city will be meeting to, to encounter Jesus, Right? Uh, and, and, and Ryan, invite you to pray. I'm gonna ask you to take another step. I'm gonna invite you to skip a meal and fast and pray. Like, just don't eat dinner on, on Wednesday evening with a view, right? To say, God, I'm hungry for you and I want you to fuel my hunger for you. And God, there are some students that I don't even know that uh, I, I'm asking you to burn a hunger in their heart for you. What would it look like for all of us to fast and pray and stop for the good of people we may not meet? Um, I think God will be honored in that. I'll give you a, a little insight and I'll, I'll come back to the story when we talk about um, self-control. When I was 10 years old, maybe 11, uh, there was a gathering on a Sunday night that marked my life like um, 
like Unite is happening this Wednesday. And we didn't plan for it. It was just one of those special things. But that night was for the first time in my life, I had the sense of God's unique um, call on my life to share good news with people. And I didn't even know what it meant. I was 10 or 11 years old. You know, that could happen for some young people this week. What would it look like if we prayed and fasted so that God would stir their hearts and who knows what God may do in the days to come? So why don't we stand on our feet and uh, we're gonna worship Jesus in response. Uh, And let's pray. Lord, we don't wanna just be nice people. God, we wanna be filled with a kindness and goodness and a generous spirit that comes from you. So Lord, we're here with open hearts and with open hands. As we sing these songs, Holy Spirit of God, we're inviting you to put names of people on our mind. Lord, if there are specific people, specific places, specific situations as part of our worship to you, God, we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to to open our minds to what you might want to do. And Lord, we, uh, we commit ourselves, God, to step into obedience and to act on those things. Even today, Lord, as you stir us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.